It's bright and early on a Saturday. I'm in the studio and I'm here to present to you episode 56 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thank you very much, as is always the case, for joining me. I'll fade out uh, the glorious fan club and I will let you know what you can bank upon hearing in the next uh, three hours or so, uh, depending on uh, my rants and uh, the length of the interview this week. So let's kick things off by uh, addressing some of the new releases that we will be uh, attending to. There's a brand new release by the Limanianas uh, called Istanbul is Sleepy, which we're going to hear imminently, actually. Um, new stuff, uh, well, not new, 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 but relatively new uh, from Types. There is a brand spanking new single by the G.O.D., which I shall play for you uh, in the first half of the programme, all being well. Uh, new release-wise, also um, going to be playing something by Matt Cross, uh, an artist that I have uh, come across in the last little while. And I'm uh, delighted to be playing his new works for you as well, and uh, brand new stuff from the, uh, the the new uh, the new EP actually by by White Room. And so that's kind of segues into what I was about to say. This episode, specifically episode 56 of Near Perfect Pitch, is brought to you by Jake Smallwood, White Room, and the Oatmeal Hobnob. So um, stay tuned till the end of the program where uh, you'll be able to hear the interview that uh, I'm having with Jake from White Room. What a band they are. If you listen to the programme, you will have heard a lot of their material in uh, in the past weeks. We've got the usual features. We've got uh, Cover Me. We've got uh, The Weekly Peel. Essential Wax this week is Gay Dad. We have got uh, Tinterweb Time. We've got our hat trick. Obligatory Fall. Oh, it's a belter. Here's South. No, no. 
I only uh, heard this song for the first time a couple of days ago and was immediately taken by it. I'd, uh, I've got a few things in my collection by the uh, Limonianas. Uh, this is a brand new release uh, by the French duo and uh, it's their new single. Uh, it's officially out on November the 17th. It is uh, guested by uh, the one and only Anton Newcomb of uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre. And it is a beautiful single. Uh, the Liminianas.bandcamp.com slash music. And that is L-I-M-I-N-A-N-A-S. And kicking things off this week with some South from their third LP, Adventures in the Underground, Journey to the Stars from 2006. That's uh, a single and uh, the lead track of the LP entitled Shallow. Don't forget, nearperfectpitch.com is where you can go to get all the links and uh, find out what is going on in the uh, concentric circular rings around at the core of what is the programme, lots of social media, lots of ways by which to listen that you can uh, point people to and, and be my evangelists out there and hopefully get me some more listeners, which I'd be very grateful for. Um, don't forget, end of the programme is where the interviews are always uh, situated. And this week, mega, mega happy to be talking with Jake Smallwood from White Room and uh, his his penchant for uh, just his immersion in music since, since a child. It's just a wonderful story. So uh, I look forward to sharing that with you in uh, about two, two, three hours or so. Before then, we've got about another 28 songs to get to. Uh, and uh, also, uh, I should... I should mention, I've just had some dialogue with uh, with the wonderful Bill Pritchard, and I'll be redoing that interview, the one that had uh, the immense technical difficulties associated with it. So that is uh, forthcoming in, uh, I would imagine I will be airing that one next week, which is rather good. Um, got some more interviews lined up as well. I've got more than I can actually get to at this point. So uh, it's looking good. It's looking good for some uh, for some content that isn't necessarily my mither in voice uh, and uh, me chuntering on about stuff it's actually talking to interesting people here is something from uh, this year's WLP by Types from Manchester uh, called The Future Is Close Enough here's a song called K-Wave <laughs> No 
listen, not until you react So perhaps there is science in violence I don't ever want to listen And it's a fact what the body don't hear track of their second LP, The Great Escape, released in 2009, Science in Violence, preceded by the immense types uh, from Manchester, www.tt.yyppe.s.co.uk. That's how you can find out all that is going on in the wonderful world of types, and that is uh, K-Wave from their debut, released uh, earlier this year. Uh, entitled uh, The Future is Close Enough. So I reckon that we've got to, got off to a pretty good start uh, this particular week. Next, it's a request, actually. Uh, I'm not sure I've actually played this song before. I know I've featured the album quite heavily up until uh, up until now. I should perhaps be more prepared and uh, have a more succinct answer, shouldn't I, really? But... Uh, such is such is life on a Saturday morning when you're just trying to play a bunch of records. Anyway, Star Roving, uh, Slow Dive, off their immense latest and phenomenal comeback LP. We're going to hear that, and this is uh, going out to Phil in Toronto. <laughs> Thank you. 
from Leeds. That's Cud, fronted by the wacky and immense uh, Carl Putnam. And that is uh, a single called uh, Through the Roof, which came out in 1992 on A&M Records, and that's off their fourth of five studio LPs, Asquarius. And before that, uh, the, the just... Well, what can you say about Slow Dive? This record, uh, in terms of a comeback record, is, is probably their best record, I'd hasten to say, and, and um, that in itself is a massive testament. Anyway, off their latest uh, record, that's Star Roving, and that's a request uh, for Phil in, in Toronto. And uh, good timing, mate. It's about time that we heard that song again. Again, Star Roving, Slow Dive, preceded by uh, The Rifles, in turn preceded by Types, and kick things off with South and uh, The Limignanas. So we're uh, well, well on our way on episode 56. Stay tuned for an interview with uh, the the affable, inimitable and very friendly and super, super musically educated Jake Smallwood of uh, White Room. That is coming up in a couple of hours or so. Um, Got some uh, got some stuff coming up that I'd like to share with you. Uh, got some Captain coming up uh, in the next hour or so. And Captain have got a new project, uh, a third album project on Pledge. I'll get into more details about that as uh, as the show uh, uh, gets gets deeper and deeper in. Anyway, enough of my chuntering. Here's some pill. I could be wrong, I could be 
Gorky's Zygotic Monkey. That is a peanut dispenser from their first LP on the brilliant Angst label. They're from uh, Carmarthen in Wales, and uh, that's from their first LP, as I mentioned, entitled Patio. And uh, they had an 11-year recording career, and uh, they sing primarily in Welsh. And their name is is ridiculous, Gorky Zygotic uh, Monkey. It's all misspelled, it's semi-phonetic, and is garbled nonsense. And uh, it's the name that they chose and had to stick with. And I would say that it gained them quite a lot, quite a lot sorry, of, uh, of notoriety, because it is just uh, almost uh, it's unpronounceable to many, uh, incomprehensible to most, and... Uh, immensely unique as a result. Before that, the first single of 1986's album, that is uh, Public Image Limited Pill, that's the 12-inch version of Rise. That is worth playing every so often, just because. Uh, next, I did promise that there's a new single by the G.O.D., fronted by Chris Bridget and uh, Simon Wollstonecroft. What a band. Fresh recently off uh, supporting the Stone Roses, which is uh, no small feat. This is a brand new digital track only that you can uh, get your hands on at the g-o-dmcr.bandcamp.com. And as is the norm, every single URL or any note of any importance will be included in the show's notes. So uh, if you listen to the programme and just listen to it without referring to the notes, that's fine. But if you're curious about uh, the the songs that I play or the, the URLs that I include, well, you can visit these uh, the show notes and uh, not miss a trick. So the G.O.D. Uh, have this new single, which you can procure digitally at their Bandcamp page. It's called Impulsive. Gotta get a message to myself
from 1980 their second single and uh, also featured on their WLP Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables on Alternative Tentacles Records Jello Biafra and the crew Holiday in Cambodia that is for you Susie in the wild somewhere in Vermont thanks so much uh, for the email that uh, again is nearperfectpitch at gmail.com should you want to hear something or have a chit chat or uh, get into a debate what have you Uh, and uh, prior to hearing Dead Kennedys, we heard uh, the brand new digital-only download track by the G.O.D. and uh, a track called Impulsive. Now it's time for me to offer you a break from my voice. I'm going to be playing a hat-trick, the time of the show, the time of the week, where I play three in a row, where you can stick the kettle on, make a sarni, do whatever you want, have a nap, do whatever you wish. And uh, it's kind of an eclectic one with absolutely no theme whatsoever this week.
Well, there you have it. This week's hat trick. The last song, the one that's just, just finished, my favourite Wet Wednesday Afternoon by uh, The Siddeley's Indie Darlings. That's a B-side from their very first single from 1987 on Medium Cool Records. And it also appears on a wonderful, wonderful compilation called Slum Clearance, which compiles every last stick of their recorded output. It's a good one. Before that, another good one from 1995 on Ultimate Records, uh, their very last single from their second LP entitled uh, Amphibian. That is a Bang Bang Machine with Show Me Your Pain. I've forgotten how good that song really, really is. And uh, kicking off the hat trick this week, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. Sounds a bit like the USA, doesn't it, really? Um, That's uh, the Fun Boy 3 from their debut self-titled LP, which came out in 1982 after the demise of the specials. Uh, Singers Terry Hall, Neville Staple and uh, Linville Golding got together and put together a couple of LPs over the course of three years. And again, the lunatics have taken over the asylum. That was this week's hat trick. Right, so that's the hat trick out of the way. Let's talk all things Captain. Now, Captain uh, are a band from London, and they have uh, a debut album to their uh, credit from 2006 called This Is Hazelville which reached uh, the starry heights of number 23 in, uh, in what you'd deem the proper charts. Their second LP, which uh, was to be released on EMI Records called Distraction, was actually un- and unfortunately pulled after uh, the restructuring of EMI in uh, 2008. And the record itself did not get released. Um, they do, however, and very excitingly, have a new project. They have a new LP, which you can uh, get involved with at Pledge Music. Pledgemusic.com slash project slash captain hyphen for hyphen Irini, I-R-I-N-I. All these will be in the show notes, of course. Now, they uh, did uh, suffer a tragedy with the band. Uh, lead guitarist uh, uh, Mario Athanasio uh, died, sadly, uh, last year. Um, and the band, however, are, have regrouped and are putting out this record. So go to Pledge if you like what you hear that's forthcoming. So I've actually got um, the promo copy, well, not the, I mean, there's more than one kicking about, uh, but uh, the actual LP that, that wasn't released um, after the EMI restructuring. Uh, the LP was to be called Distraction, and I'm playing a song from it to wet your palates when it comes to Captain. <laughs>
band out of Ashby de la Zouche from their third, sorry, their second LP, Voices of Animals and Men from uh, 2006. That's Young Knives with Loughborough Suicide and uh, that's where I went to grammar school was Loughborough. Um, it's, uh, it's a belt of a track, that one, and they are a band that uh, have been consistently brilliant throughout their career. Again, Young Knives. Before Young Knives, we heard Captain, who I'm 99.9% sure I'll be interviewing this week to talk about uh, their new uh, their new record for Irini which is coming out uh, very very soon through their pledge campaign again pledgemusic.com slash project slash captain hyphen for hyphen Irini I-R-I-N-I so we are halfway through the musical content of uh, the program uh, and we have lots to look forward to in terms of the second half of the programme. We've got our, our cover version, we've got our essential wax, we've got our John Peel feature, and we've got our interview. Next, brand new stuff from uh, Matt Cross, his brand new single, You Said You Needed Time. Yeah. 
1972. That's uh, T-Rex, of course, with that uh, Metal Guru. And that is from the third LP, The Slider. And that was preceded by Matt Cross. You said you needed time. His brand new single, his second release, Matt Cross, M-A-T-T-C-R-O-S-S.bandcamp.com, soundcloud.com slash Matthew Cross. Good stuff indeed, and uh, that was sent to me by Matt himself uh, a few weeks ago, and, uh, and uh, I wanted to get to it quicker circumstances didn't allow but anyway I've played it and I like it and I hope uh, to hear some new stuff from Matt uh, forthcoming right where are we now oh it's time for cover me and uh, in this instance we're going to go to a song as written by Mercury Rev which has just been done by the likes of Luna off their brand new LP uh, a sentimental education. It's their first studio LP in uh, in 13 years. They were originally formed by uh, Dean Wareham after the breakup of Galaxy 500 in uh, in 1991. Anyway, Mercury Rev. Their well, their best known track, I'd hasten to say, is is Car Wash Hair, and this is Luna and their rendition of that lovely, lovely track. <laughs> 
But if I'm not 
of Mercury Rev's Car Wash Hair and that's from their latest LP called uh, A Sentimental Education and uh, it is a rather, rather good LP indeed. Now, we've reached a... Ooh, cracky, got another, got another text. Um, it, we've reached the point uh, in the programme where it's... Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's time for Tinterweb Time, kids. And that's the time of the week where I jump into a website that I think is worth sharing with you. In this instance, I am uh, pinging you towards BritishMusicExperience.com. Now, the British Music Experience is the UK's Museum of Popular Music. It is uh, housed in uh, the Cunard Building in uh, Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool L3 specifically. If you want to find out more, go to the website. Let's talk about uh, them in terms of their about page to give you an idea of what uh, their raison d'etre is. Uh, the permanent exhibition dedicated to the history of popular British music will open at Liverpool's uh, Cunard Building the 9th of March 2017, which is obviously past. The British Music Experience is a permanent exhibition dedicated to the history of popular music in Britain. State-of-the-art effects and iconic memorabilia will show how rock, pop, dance and other genres were formed and have influenced the last 20 years of British culture. We will take you all the way back to 1945 and bring you up to the present day through the different musical genres. You will eavesdrop on interviews with the stars, witness amazing artefacts come to life, record songs, learn instruments, bus moves on the dance floor and immerse yourself in our live music experience. As you progress through the eight edge zones, you will explore the rich heritage of British music against a social and political context. I'll tell you what, there's reason enough uh, to visit Liverpool, but uh, here's another good reason. Anyway, interactive guides will allow you to get a deeper insight into what happened in each of the musical eras. Crikey, people really want to get hold of me, don't they? Uh, the rich mix of audiovisual content is enhanced with voiceover, subtitles, and a provision for portable hearing loops. It is something 
to behold. Again, that is BritishMusicExperience.com. Uh, you can also sign up for their newsletter amongst loads and loads of other opportunities to stay in touch. Anyway, visit them regularly and they're very active on social media. So if you go to the main portal, you'll be able to uh, then click on, click on their uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, and even their TripAdvisor page. Right, so we've had one cover version. We've had uh, the uh, the Luna doing Mercury Rev. I thought uh, this week we'd do a couple, and why not?
That's Dim Star by Gay Dad. And before I get into that, I'll just uh, get into the song that we heard before we heard that particular tune. We heard uh, Tackhead from uh, 2014's For the Love of Money and a song called I'm Afraid of Americans, of course, which was penned by, uh, by Bowie and Eno in 1997. And that's LP from uh, three years ago. It was their first LP since 1990's Strange Things. They were away for a long, long time with Tackhead. It's good to have them back, uh, although they're not uh, exactly prolific. It's just good to know that there's going to be uh, some sporadic releases from them from time to time. OK, back to Gay Dad. It's our Essential Wax LP of the Week time, and it is Gay Dad's Leisure Noise from 1999. And it's their WLP that preceded their second LP and their last LP, which came out in 2001, entitled Transmission. We just heard an album track and the lead track from the LP called Dim Star. The band were formed in 1994 by Cliff Jones, who was a journalist for Mojo and uh, The Face. He created this band and uh, had a demo produced by, uh, well, in indie circles and pop circles, Jim Irvin is a bit of a, a, bit of a legend. He's the, the writer and uh, former front person of, uh, of Furniture. Uh, they are a, a pop band to be reckoned with. Anyway, Jim Irvin uh, uh, produced the demo and it was funded by uh, the Rolling Stones producer, uh, Andrew Luke Oldham. And uh, that led to them being signed by London Records. So we've heard Dim Star off the record. The record did uh, spurn two singles, actually three singles, Joy, Oh Jim and To Earth With Love. And neither, neither, nor of which we will hear. But next, we are going to hear this, Black Ghost.
There were two Librans set on a hill and a wall. Always exiting to the easy gates. Exit for two years to be perfect. Librans. That's from uh, the year 2000. That's from their 21st studio LP on Eagle Records. 
uh, entitled The Unutterable. And again, that is two Librans that fulfills our obligatory fall, our obligations for this week. Uh, every week I play a song by The Fall, if you are a first-time listener. And before that, we heard the second of two tracks from our Essential Wax, our LP of the week. Got to clear my throat, excuse me. <clears throat> there we go. And uh, we heard in sequence from Gay Dad, we heard Dim Star and Black Ghost. And the LP itself is a 10 tracker, purposefully uh, arranged as an LP of two sides, should you care. I do. Um, next, we've got uh, now time for our weekly peel. And this week, it's, it's a rather interesting one, actually. We've already played the Dead Kennedys by virtue of a request earlier in the programme. But now um, we're going to be hearing something by Scotland's The Delgados. They are going to be lending their hand to the Dead Kennedys' California Uberallas appeal session from October 2002.
from Nottingham. That's Bent from their WLP programme to love. That's Invisible Pedestrian. And that was preceded by, uh, on Chemical Underground Records, that was the Delgados doing the Dead Kennedys, California, Uber Alice. Uh, it's appeal session from October 2002 and available on the complete BBC Peel Session CD as brought to you by Chemical Underground Records. And don't forget, before we heard our uh, weekly Peel, we heard another feature right before that. We heard our obligatory full R track of the week, Two Librans, we heard. Getting towards the end, getting very, very close to my chat with Jake Smallwood from White Room, which I can tell you is a treat. I can already tell you that. I haven't got Kreskin like uh, ESP like qualities. I've already recorded the interview. And it's a good one. I can tell you that for now. Next, we're going to hear something from Bristol's The Brilliant Corners, all the way back to 1986. Absolutely love that track. That's the Brilliant Corners from 1986's Fruit Machine EP on uh, SS20 Records. It also features prominently on the immense C86 triple CD set. 
uh, as put out by the wonderful Cherry Red Records. So we've had uh, Meet Me on Tuesdays by The Brilliant Corners. We've also had my favourite Wet Wednesday afternoon by uh, The Siddleys. So uh, there's two days of the week. Uh, got, to, got to figure out uh, the other five. Now, what have we got next? Yes, we've got one more song before we get into some real goodies, uh, including uh, the brand new single by White Room. We're going to hear something from... Uh, sorry, we're going to hear something from AC Acoustics, their fifth single from their second LP. <laughs>
White Room as if you didn't know. Brand new single released just a handful of days ago. That is part of a double A side of Tomorrow Always New and The Blue. We've just heard Tomorrow Always New. A wonderful, wonderful five piece from the South Coast in Brighton. And they are signed to Liverpool's wonderful Delta Sonic Records. We're going to hear another song in a couple of seconds by the band before we get into an interview with Jake Smallwood. Some URLs you need to be cognizant of, facebook.com slash whiteroomhq, soundcloud.com slash whiteroomhq, and look for their uh, playlists on Spotify. They are something to behold. They really, really are. So we've heard uh, half of the new single, which is brand spanking new. Let's see the other half. blue 
That is uh, part of their uh, double A side, their brand new single, The Blue, with uh, Tomorrow Always New. Brand new stuff which you should go out and purchase uh, very, very promptly. Uh, before I get into more by White Room, just remind you that before we heard The Blue, the first of uh, the two songs that we've heard thus far by White Room, we uh, heard the fifth single of uh, the second LP by AC Acoustics from 1997, the album specifically Victory Parts, the single concerned Stunt Girl. One more, uh, actually no, not one more. I'm going to go straight into the interview, actually. Uh, Jake is uh, uh, wise beyond his years when it comes to his musical uh, musical education, rather, by virtue largely uh, of his parents being so damn cool, taking him to gigs and uh, having immense and immaculate musical tastes themselves. Delve into the, the wonderful world of, of the White Room imminently, uh, and uh, you'll be delighted, as I am, that uh, a uh, full-length LP is on the horizon. Over to Jake and pseudo-me, and I'll be back afterwards to wrap things up. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? It's Dara calling from Canada. How are things? Oh, good, mate. How are you doing? Not bad at all, Jake. So uh, did you uh, manage to uh, take in the football game that you were supposed to be attending this afternoon? Yep, I was. I was watching it. 1-1-0 as well, so great news. Which game was it? Uh, Brighton, Newcastle at home. Oh, OK. So, oh, right. Cause yeah, so, yeah, we were up at, up at the Amex watching... Oh, okay, smashing, because I, I watched the first half and then had to get down to the studio, and uh, that's a good win, that is, actually. Very good win. Yeah, it's a great win. Yeah, yeah, really really pleased with it. Yeah, it must, must be buzzing. Uh, we're, we're looking, we're, like, a bit worried about it. We've got a few hard games coming up, and we're like, we need, really need to really need to beat Newcastle, we managed to do it, so. Yeah, you got to beat those. Great news, that. you got to beat those around you, otherwise you haven't got prayer. But it's, it's good, I mean, I, 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 yeah. you've got a good manager. And he seems to uh, have... Uh, yeah, Chris is good, man. Yeah, and he's spent wisely. It must be lovely to have football back on the, on the south coast again, yeah? Mm, yeah, of course. I think it's, uh, we're like the... Us and Crawley are the only actual league teams in Sussex, so it's yeah. good to have us up in the Prem, finally. Yeah, well, good for you. Like, I, hope, I hope you stay for a while. You've always had a soft spot. So it's Des Lynham's favourite team, mm. isn't it, Brighton and Ove? Isn't it? Hey? Isn't it Des Lynham's favourite team, uh, uh, Brighton? Oh, is it? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Yeah. Oh, that's one of my, uh, one yeah. of my sort of... Uh, unappreciated uh, nuggets from the past that uh, probably is enti- <laughs> entirely wrong. Well, let's, let's talk about the band because that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's why I'm calling you. Uh, I've, been playing the, yeah, uh, I've been playing your material for quite some time now and, uh, oh, yeah. and I've been trying to... You, you've been a bit elusive, actually. You've been, you've been a bit uh, Lord Lucan-ish trying to get an interview. I've been trying to chase you down for about four, <laughs> four, uh, for about four months or so. But, uh, oh, uh, seriously? Yeah, well, it's Kath. Kathy did the business, so fair play to Kathy. Um, now, let's, yeah. let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, the records to date because... To the mm. un, to the uninitiated, of which if, if you listen to this show, you're not uninitiated because I've played I've played just about every track that you've released thus far. Um, I really, yeah, yeah, because well, Brilliant. good music's good music's good music, isn't it? Um, so at the end of the day, awesome. at the end of the day, you, you've you've had a, a fairly decent track record in terms of regular output. Now, when, when you started, when did you actually get together? Because it's hard to gauge because there's not an awful lot of info about you kicking about. Mm. Well, we um, I've actually been playing with the guys since uh, been been like year four. We actually started like jamming together and that. So I mean, we've we've been playing together for years. But as White Room, I think it's about three years we've been together as as White Room now. Yeah, yeah, and I understand. So um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, we put out. Yeah, sorry, we we put out our fizzy liquid. Um, I think it was last September, was it? Yes. And then um. Then think too much, and then then the eight started basically. Yes. Put out stole the IV, and then off the back of that, decided to go for a full project. Well, 
that's very, very good news to the selfish people like myself who want to hear new material. By <laughs> you. So, so when, when, when do, is, is the full length going to land? Is, is it written in stone? It, yeah, it's, um, it will be all out by, um, I think it will be, we go on tour at the end of November. So the last, the last tune will be released during that. So around the uh, 27th of November, Mark. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's good stuff to look So that'll be to. All, all eight tunes will be out by then. We'll have, uh, we're touring. The vinyl won't be out for sale um, until after the tour. So we'll be selling it at the shows and then it will we'll go out into general sale online and everything. Gotcha. Now, now that's going to go through your, your HQ page, I'm assuming. The, the whiteroomhq.com. Mm. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be up, on, up on there. And obviously it'll go up on SoundCloud and Spotify and uh, iTunes and everything. Yeah, but the actual the physical the physical record you get through Delta Sonic's page or yes. or ours. Let's let's talk about Delta Sonic because uh, uh, there's a lot of bands on on the label who I I have a real fondness for, and I've just got a general mm. fondness for the label. How did you uh, come together with Delta Sonic? Well, actually, I think it was um, a while back. I think last summer I met the guys from Brill Society yeah. and ended up having a bit of a night with them. And when we were playing festival yeah. up in Liverpool. They uh, um, they basically were just like make sure you go down and watch White Room. So Anne came along, met her then, and she watched the gig, really enjoyed it, and then we just started talking really, and it all all went from that. Fantastic! I had the Real Society on about uh, three or four weeks ago, actually. And uh, yeah, yeah, I heard. Well, wonderful, wonderful outfit. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. brilliant. Them. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're, absolutely brilliant. They've developed a sound that's intrinsically uh, unique, in my humble opinion. And you, you, you're obviously yeah, you're, you're a different kettle of fish, and uh, you're you're writing. Let's talk about that because Delta Sonic, that's great. You've got that box checked. You, you're you're on, a, you're on a great label mm. with great distribution and great. Uh, yeah, man, they've got a brilliant roster as well. Oh, they have, and honest to goodness, I. I if I was given, well, I just can't keep up with them, frankly, because everything I hear off the label, I like. Uh, so I'm just making making a, a, mm. an assumption that there's there's nothing that I'm not going to like. So I'm, I'm I'm just bit by bit, <laughs> by, bit by bit buying everything on the label because the the curation is is, is almost a hundred percent bang on. So, but your st- your mm. song your songwriting, you, you you are you are the instigator now. How how does how does the creative process begin with you? Because you you with all due respect, you're you're still you're still a young lad. Um, and um, you're, you can fit, fit about three of your ages into my age uh, right now. Uh, you mm. you have a maturity in your songwriting, but how did it start? Were you one of those uh, Were you one of those kids who who knew knew that music was your path, or is it something that you just stumbled into with with mates at school? Um, no, I think I think when I was a young kid, I was always always in like very interested in music. Started off as a drummer back in the day, and then. Um, slowly made my way to singing and guitar and piano and what have you. But um, yeah, I started writing tunes in year nine when I became obsessed with Bob Dylan and Paul Weller and stuff and was learning how to play their tunes. And through that, I started writing my own and then it all went, went from there, really. And then in, when I was at college, I was doing music technology. Right. So I started getting a lot more into production and that's where I started to create more with uh, Soundscape and like Sonic sonic changes and everything yes yes getting more interested in in arrangement rather than just you know an acoustic guitar and a a melody well that's very evident uh, because of the you know your technological background so that the the wonderful meeting of science and art uh it's 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 a rare thing when you get an artist who is fully fully conversant in in all of the uh, the industry uh production type talk so when you're in the studio are, are you 
needless to say, I would expect you're probably the, the most well-versed with all the vernacular. How, how's the rest of the band when it comes to the technical aspects? Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I mean, like Jacob, for example, um, his, like the sounds he can create from a guitar is just absolutely incredible. I mean, it's mind-blowing. Like, every, everybody's very, very interested in like delving far into, instead of just going, oh, here's a guitar part and let's just play it as is. It, the, every every aspect of the sound and what it is created between in our tunes is always very thought out. Now, now, when when you were growing up, were you were you brought up in a household where mum and dad were chucking on records and the radio was on all the time, or was it something? Yeah, that, yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. My dad's a massive, massive Zappa fan and Pink Floyd fan, and my mum was a big Weller fan, and it was like Kinks, Beatles, everything was always playing. Oh, so you've had a wonderful education because you, you, you're dropping yeah. you, you're dropping names there that are godlike. So, so you said your mum, <laughs> yeah. your mum was into Weller, your dad was into Zappa. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and uh, Flaming Lips as well. Oh, crap. Used to, well, used to go on long journeys with my mum listening to uh, Yashimi Battles of Pink Robots and stuff. Like, well, well, you've had a so I guess my, my love for Flaming Lips started when I was probably about, <laughs> I must have been about 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah not, not, not your typical uh, Flaming Lips uh, fan, but you know, it, it must be wonderful to be exposed to that kind of music because you turn on any given radio and, and you know, usually I want to put my fist through it, that's why I do this. Um, mm. You, you being brought up uh, with you know Zappa as just one example. Forget forget the intricacies of Bob Bob Dylan's writing and and uh, just the, the unbelievable gift that Paul Weller has. Zappa is truth be told way way out there. And when I was young, the only way I can quantify this is to, is to you know garner personal experience is that when I first heard Frank Zappa when I was I, I was younger than ten, it was something that uh, it was it was the equivalent of chalk on a blackboard to me. Yeah, I think that was probably the same for me when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I started I started getting properly into Zappa um probably about a year ago now. And that's that that he changed a lot for me. Well this in in arrangements and musical changes and everything. Like he, he really hit the nail on the head for me with that. Well, he's a very he's a misunderstood genius. I, I used to work for Ryko Disc uh, many many years ago, and um, we we, mm. we re released all the Zappa back catalogue with uh, you know remastered and extra. Tracks. Oh, really? And I remember going into that must have been fun to go through. Oh, it was immense! It was immense. And, <laughs> and, you go, and you're going through, you know, going to retail, and you and and you, you know you discover these sort of closet Zappa fans, and and there really is nothing in between. You're either you're either not a Zappa fan or you're rabid. <laughs> and the people that, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the promos I was giving you, literally you could have chucked, chucked one in the middle of a room and there'd been a fight to the death for a Zappa promo. That's how that's how dogged these guys are. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to get your address, actually, at some point because I've got a, a really rare uh, Frank Zappa and the... Uh, and, and the Mothers of Invention Mother's Day card that they released about 20 years ago, which is like, un, un, oh, like unicorn poo. I'll, I'll, I've got a couple left. I'll, I'll have to send you one of those because you, you're obviously more of yeah, a fan than do. I am. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's talk about Weller as well, because did you, did you, did your mum, I'm talking about your mum now, um, did she, um, was she a fan of the jam or has it just been Weller? Yeah, it was, I think initially... I was I was played a lot of, a lot of the jam and a lot on the way back from school and everything and then um, we started taking me to quite a lot of uh, Weller shows. Nice. So I went up to went to like the Wake Up the Nation tour and after uh, from then onwards it was like every time he was in Brighton it was right we're going to see Weller right yeah go on go on go on. So I turned, turned to a massive fan. Days of Speed as a as a live acoustic album was yeah. one of one of the most um, inspiring for me as an early when in my early days of writing pretty much like sat and learned how to play that whole thing and sing it and then that 
that took me through a doorway into into more into more serious writing. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. As I say, your education has been uh, has been well. It's pretty unique, I'd have to say. Uh, I, I I like to think that my musical upbringing was mainly my own discovery, staying up late at night when I should have been mm. listening to Radio Luxembourg and Radio Caroline, and and try and trying to put things together and listen listening to Peel. It's different now for your generation. Um, now. You've got your influences. Mum and dad are always very, very important. Uh, and uh, luckily, you had you had uh, parents who a liked and loved music and actually had musical taste. And uh, very, very, very rarely do all the all the planets align for that to be uh, an environment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, it's it's wonderful for you. Now, how about the other lads in the band? Are, are they are they uh, similarly as uh, voracious in, in wanting to know about music? Because there are musicians who are just forgive the expression. They've got their heads firmly lodged up their own asses, and, and it. it it's about their own craft, but there are others, of course, who, who are music buyers as well and, and want to listen to other music aside from their own craft. Now, how does that pertain to, to the other members of the band? Oh, yeah, well, no, we're all, all like very, very into that like, discovery and music and everything. And like, we're, we're all, uh, all always sharing new, new finds. There's a bit of that like, competition going, oh, I found this, you know, I found this, oh, oh you've got to listen to this. Magic, yeah. That's and we, the put out, we, we put a um, playlist out on um, Spotify called Our Wig Out. Oh, nice. The White Room Wig Out, which is just all of the tunes that we love at the moment. We go like, oh yeah, let's get this on there, get this on there. I'm going to have to check so, yeah, that out. Yeah, we're all, all, always finding new stuff. Oh, good. And are you just, again, there's no one singular way. Because, you know, when I was growing up, it was, it, was this, it was Sounds, Melody Maker, Enemy, and Peel. And that's how you figured out <clears> what was coming out in the record shop. And then you take a punt on something. With you and your generation, obviously Spotify. My, my son's twenty-one, my daughter's eighteen, and it's Spotify, Spotify, Spotify. Um, yeah, of but, course. But, but Bandcamp and Pledge are, are, are on any given show. And you, you, you know, listen to the program. I hope you do in the future. But uh, I do three hours worth of music, and it's amazing uh, how many new acts and old acts who have uh, figured out how to reach their audience through uh, the wonderful World Wide Web and Pledge and uh, and Bandcamp yeah. being the major two forces. Are, 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 is it fair to say a combination of that with it, with the nice sprinkling of Radio 6 is, is, is the lion's share of how you source things? Yeah, yeah Radio 6 is, a, is always a good one to have one in the background. I like the, uh, the their show of the chain as well. Yes, that's yes. a good one to hear. Lots of new stuff. The chain's brilliant. Yeah, it is. This is very good. But, but yeah, I think I think now obviously because there's so much on the online and there's so many blogs who are making playlists and if you find like a few blogs that you're into and everything, then you, you, you they're so, so easy to find stuff now. There's a there's a lot of stuff that I don't like and there's a lot of stuff that I find which I haven't found, which I'm sure I'm loved, but. Right, yeah, the, the the internet's definitely a catalyst for finding new music these days. Well, it, I, I agree 100. percent And, and uh, at the beginning of the program, I was I was banging on about how this particular show uh, is just chock full of new releases. This particular week has been has been an absolute just just a, a deluge of new releases. Everything from Morrissey to the new Horrors record. Um, I'm, I'm similarly encouraged by by the batch of of, of new of new talent uh, coming out. Is, is there anything coming out of Brighton Hove that area that that uh, that we should be aware of that we perhaps haven't heard of, or, or is uh, is it uh, is it uh, quiet? There's no, there's loads coming out of Brighton at the moment. Uh, one 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 that I definitely say is a band called The Ferns. The Ferns. They're brilliant, good mates of ours, and they're putting out some wicked new stuff. Okay, got a tune. I think their most recent release was a tune called Billy, which is just. An, and like an absolute epic banger. I mean, you got to check that one out. Is that on your? Uh, is that on your white room wig out? 
Uh, it was a couple of weeks back. Okay, well, I'm going to have to become... When they first put it out. Yeah, definitely check out the playlist, mate. Oh, I'm definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely going to do that. Stuff you like. It's always good to hear because, uh, you know, as I say, I was talking to the Real Society a couple of weeks ago and they, they, they just turned me on to a couple of Liverpool bands that, that I instantly purchased and it's just a wonderful it's wonderful how that works, mm. isn't it? I mean, it's uh, it's more like the business of referral than anything else. I keep telling people that, you know, I, I, I am talentless. I, I, I learned very early on that, that I could barely play the tambourine. That's why I became a... <laughs> <laughs> a DJ, and, and, and I fast realised that uh, this this is all I'm good for is curation, and, and it's a delight talking to the likes of yourselves because, at the end of the day, um, I I came upon you uh, by virtue of a recommendation from a friend with, for the first release, and uh, oh, cool. it's amazing. It's amazing how that that uh, advocacy uh, maintains throughout throughout the whole duration of, of of the process. I'm really looking forward to the new record now. Now, in terms of uh, the new record and production, what, what, what's the uh, the location, the geography? Where, where are you recording it? So it's uh, all, all the tracks now been put down. Where was it all? Was it all um, done all, local? Yeah, they're all mastered, ready to go. We're waiting on the first uh, test pressing of the vinyl. So we did um, three of the tunes we recorded at Weller's place. Yeah, um, at Black Barn Studios. Um, that was produced by uh, Chris, um, sorry, um, Charles Reese yeah. and uh, Theo Verney, who's a Brighton producer and musician, who's absolutely brilliant as well. And um, that was Black Barn. Then we did Adrian Bushby for Stole the Ivy, was up at Varda Studios. Mm-hmm. And then Christopher Harris uh, produced The Last Four, and that was Squarehead Studios in Kent. Fantastic. So everything. So there's a little, a little bit, a few, few, like three different studios, so different slightly different sounds and everything but it all ties together really nicely yeah so needless to it's say good to, it's good to chuck a net out and work with different people as well now are you by virtue of your uh, your upbringing and uh, and uh, just just the the shoulders that you rub with uh, the, the the art form of making an album i feel is uh, is becoming fast becoming a lost art form if you look into, mm. into the uh, what you deem the the chart charts and, and and the regular music i mean people are throwing out songs yeah of and people are buying songs for nine well a lot of people are buying just the singles these days isn't it that's the exactly whole it. records aren't being listened to in the same way yeah no, but no. i think that's i think that's returning more now with, the, with this whole like vinyl revolution and everything well, there's a, and a, people are starting to listen more to to the whole whole pieces as, instead of just whichever whichever song got the most play on this or that. It's, yeah, it's lovely talking to to, uh, to to young and old both, whereby there's a concerted effort to say that's the first track because that's the first song on side one. That's track mm. five. That's the last track on uh, on side one. And similarly, you know, track six or seven is the first on 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 the, on the B side or or side two. Mm. And that that kind of cognizance. And, and I'm actually kind of blown away by by this. It's not a resurgence of vinyl because vinyl never went away. Uh, it's it's just the popularity thereof and and it becoming more and more yeah. a viable option for you. As, as artists to be able to uh, to showcase your art and it, it, I think it's a wonderful thing it, it, and it's almost the catalyst to discovery as opposed to this nonsense of 49 cents or 99p downloads which yeah we, sure now n- the feeling that you leave with because obviously it's very subjective you're immersed very very wholeheartedly in this project but when when you listen to the tracks that you put down in the sequence that they're laid out to you, does it feel like an album, album proper, like a large, large whole, as opposed to, uh, which is, I hate to say it, this just array of just wantonly 
pull together songs in, to, to just make no, it? No, not not at all. It's uh, the whole the whole piece of eight itself is all is all designed to have continuity within the lyrics and the, yeah. the themes of eight as well. Yeah. So it's all it's all very thought out and laid laid together. Uh, the flow of the tracks and everything they're they're put together in the way that it works nicest musically instead of just going ah oh, we've written this amount of songs let's just chuck them out there. No, it was not- right we've got got a lot of tunes this is this is what the lyrical continuity and the themes are we'll choose the songs which which we have, which we love the most that work within that lyrical theme and 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 the musical the sonic side the sonic side of the uh, of the tunes as well. Nice. So it's all it's all it's all organized in that sense where it is supposed to be listened to as a piece instead of just eight songs that have been stuck together. Yeah, well, I, I was, I was, I was kind of driving at you answering it in, in that capacity. I knew, I knew that's what you know how you'd approached it, but uh, mm. I, I, I'm just, I'm just so glad that that you are because listening to the singles, <laughs> like for, for instance, you know, for Fizzy as an example, it, it's, it's, it's a nice EP. There's, 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 there's no, no holes to poke in it, but, but it got me thinking, whereby I thought, well, you know, when these lads make their first record. Uh, I just, I just had this feeling that you do something as a, uh, as a complete whole, and uh, I don't know if your music education has, has got you uh, plumbing the, the, the depths of Rush, like the first few Rush records, which were very, very themed. I haven't, I haven't really listened to that much, much Rush, to be honest. I think, I think you get, you I get a to. kick out of Twenty One Twelve and a Farewell to Kings. Uh, because they're the, okay. they're the epitome of records whereby the sequence is 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 of paramount importance and how the flow and the storytelling uh, is is obviously uh, yeah sure is, is a is a continuum. Anyway, I just thought that because you, you you've talked about really mature stuff here, like 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 Weller and and and, and Dylan and, and Zappa, uh, Rush, uh, not not just because I live in Canada now, but Rush have uh, got a. A wonderful lyricist in their drummer, which is how you started out drumming. Oh, Neil, Neil Peart writes the lyrics, and uh, and, and then uh, Alex Lifeson and Geddy Lee put the music to it. But uh, anyway, it's interesting. I just wanted to just give you give you a tip as opposed to you giving me all these new things to, to, to look into. Yeah, sure. What what, what were the albums again? Uh, Twenty one twelve. Twenty one twelve. Yeah. And, and uh, the other one was a, a farewell to kings. Um, okay, sweet. Definitely, I'll definitely check them out then. Yeah, nice yeah, yeah, they're very, very. Um, I'm just trying to find, dig, dig in the, the depths of my mind for the for the right term, but they're very thematic and and they they really, especially mm. especially if you get them on uh, on LP, it uh, changes the whole the whole dynamic. Um, now, now, yeah, of course. Let's talk about touring. Now, are, are you are you comfortable uh, just belting it out in front of uh, anywhere from 500 to to, to 50,000 people? Do you get do you get any butterflies, or are you just you don't even think twice? What you like? I think I think it's important to get nervous before any show. Really, if you, the way I've always thought is if if you don't feel any nerves, then you don't care enough. You know, you should no matter what you're putting yourself on the line, whether it's to five people or five thousand people. You got you got to think in that in that sense. You've always got to be like, right, this is everything. This is this is what I'm doing with my life. It's always got to be. Yeah. It's always got to be as good as it can be, and if if you're walking in going, oh yeah, whatever. I mean, people people are different, of course, but yeah. for me, I'm definitely I don't get necessarily nervous in the set. I'm not there backstage throwing up beforehand, but you know, you get a little bit like, oh, okay, all right, we're going on now. Yeah. It's yeah. usually actually earlier on in the day and then it gets 
then I'm at the venue and everything, and then it starts to, I get more just like, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on, let's go on. <laughs> yeah, the psychology pre-gig. It, it's different for everybody. <laughs> it's, it's, it really is different for everybody, but I, I absolutely agree with you. If, if, you, if you were, you know, erring on the side of unmitigated arrogance, whereby, you know, you could be uh, you could be lumped in with a Liam, uh, I, I mm. think I think you've lost something <laughs> if, if you haven't got that cognizance of how of just how important it is to you and to the people in, in attendance that that sense of responsibility that sense of culpability yeah. that that people have uh, travelled from far and wide and spent their hard earned dosh to come yeah, see you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. This like you've got you, you're putting on a show. People who are, who are taking their time to come and see you, and if if you if you don't if you don't care enough to give them to give them give them that like that whole thing, then then who you to be there for them? Do you know what I mean? I do. Uh, in, in 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 quite a strong term, that. But you know, yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know what I mean with it. No, I'm I'm, to- I'm totally I totally understand where you're coming from. Now, when when it comes to uh, to gigging, um, are you leaving the country anytime soon, or are all the gigs going to be UK based? We don't have anything booked in leaving the country wise. Just, um, we'd definitely love to. <laughs> so just wondering if the records... But, um, as, it, as it stands, we're not in a position at the moment where we're making plans to. Hopefully next next summer when the festival's coming out, we'll get further into Europe. Yeah. Do, and, some, do some stuff out there. Yeah, and the LP will have about six or seven months' legs behind it to, to, to give you a little bit mm. of impetus. Just curious, yeah, sure. uh, so, so Delta Sonic, so at, at this juncture... Um, I'm just curious if there's any any uh, you know record deals uh, for, for Europe and North America or, or just just the general the general listenership here. I'm just going to point them to Delta Sonic to buy the record because mm. I'm, I'm I'm just assuming that there's there's nothing in terms of North American distribution. For no, no, nothing, nothing as it stands. But the keyword the keyword, um, keyword being yet because <laughs> yeah because world, world world domination enterprises is well underway. So that's just for now. Just <laughs> now. Um, now uh, when, when it comes to festivals. Um, in terms of a, of a whole different vibe, I know that you've uh, you know you played uh, you played Camden and and, and you you played other festivals. Are there any that really stick out? Because I know that you've attended them yourself uh, as, as as a as a fan of, of of other bands. But in terms of playing, what's what's the favourite? Uh, what's, what's your most favourite uh, place that you've played thus far? Mm, well, festival wise, um, I think this summer Isle of Wight was definitely a, definitely a highlight. Yeah, and uh, Why Not Festival as well. We we actually got. Got to open up the main stage at Why Not Fest. It was pretty special walking out of there. I mean, there, were, there weren't many people there, but it was it's just a whole other ball game when you're standing on a stage of that size. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. Like, you look out and you're picturing, picturing the whole thing covered. Really, it wasn't, it wasn't quite that, but, but um, that was a serious highlight for us. And it's, it's, it's a good fun festival as well. Yeah. And then we did another show that weekend on this feeling stage, which is a packed out tent, brilliant show. Super. That was that was definitely a massive highlight. No, it sounds um, like you really buzzed. You buzz. You buzzed. And of course, uh, Great Escape as well, hometown show. Yeah. Um, one in, one out before beforehand, which was absolutely brilliant. I mean, you can't be like, completely buzzing before that. <laughs> like, yeah, it was absolutely yeah. madness. Brilliant. And, and and how how in terms of uh, acceptance radio wise, are, are you getting any airplay from from any stations? Yeah, we're getting a bit. We've had. Um, Bit from Radio X, um, some local stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's ticking along. It's ticking along. It's ticking along. All all ready for this. Well, the the good and well timed full length release, which 
is uh, well, yeah. th- that's got to be something that you must be looking forward to immensely because it's 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 a culmination. Oh, I can't wait to put this all out. It must be a, cu- a culmination really of years and years and years of, of of creativity, graft, scribblings, lyrics, demos. The whole mm. lot is going to be immensely gratifying for you to get that, or uh, well, just to get the acetate in your hand in the next few days is going to be lovely. Yeah. Just to get the test pressing in your hand, that's going to be sweet. Yeah, I'm going to sit there with, with a record player and some headphones on full full volume. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and yeah. listen to it. It's going to be the most satisfying thing. Just drop the needle and then, uh, then pick it up and drop it again. In, in terms yeah. of in terms of the artwork, how how involved are you with with the aesthetic when it comes to, to the the material? We were um, we got um, we got Aidan um, Cochrane to um, to do the artwork. who's a friend of ours. And we're heavily involved with it because um, the whole concept was that you got you got the eight tunes, each of which because we released it as uh, we're releasing as four double A sides and then compiling together at the end when they're all out yeah. into eight. So um, each each track, each double A side works as its own standalone piece, and that was always our that was our concept for it was it could be artwork on its own where you've got you've got a uh, you know, so there's a sort of slash down the middle yes. with the, where it splits, the, splits it into two triangles. Yeah. So each tune is, is, um, is signified within a triangle each. Gotcha. Like and a- then that all comes together as a main piece. So we, we're working quite, um, quite closely with Aiden Lovely. on that. But um, he, I mean, he just absolutely ran with it and smashed it. It was absolutely brilliant. But a lot of going back and forth, and um, we'd be writing up little briefs on each piece and saying, like, oh, like, we love this imagery about the tune or something, and then you'd go back and go, oh, yeah, I've taken it in this way. It was, it was, it was definitely a um, partnership, partnership situation, for sure. Well, it's, it, I'm just blown away by how, how um, thorough you've been. You've got every, you've got every avenue sorted here, and, and I'm actually looking forward mm. to, to. I don't usually look forward to buying the physical format of anything nowadays because I'm not saying it's been uh, it's devoid of, of creativity, but uh, music in terms of when I was growing up, buying buying a record, whether it was on 23 envelope or 4AD, just because it looks so damn beautiful. Uh, yeah, and, well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, uh, a 12-inch or a 7-inch record sleeve is a piece of artwork in itself, and that's, like you said, it's, that's going to bring people to buy it, where they, they may have never even heard of the band before. So when you see a picture that you like, you go, oh, amazing, I really like that. Yeah. I'm going to grab that. And, and if you like the music, you don't. And, and if you like the music, then great. And if you don't, you listen to it enough times to maybe that you will. And if not, then you've got a good piece of artwork in Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. All, all the music that I own by you, I've got everything that's been released, but it's all digital. So where I was going with that mm. is I'm, gonna, I'm looking forward to actually physically ordering uh, the vinyl. I don't buy a lot of records because I have to buy a lot of mm. records just to keep up, and it's just an expense thing, as you well know. I mean, you, who, who wouldn't want to buy a thousand, a thousand quid's worth of records every week? It would be a joy. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm going to drop yeah, the money. That would be nice. Yeah, because I, I really want to get, I want to get my hands on especially now that I've, I've heard from the horse's mouth that that it's it's uh, it's got a lot of thought behind it i'm really looking forward to, to getting that lp in my hand which uh, which mm. will be soon which will be soon now i've got one last question for you and uh, I'll, apo- yeah. I'll apologize in advance as i do to everybody because it's got absolutely sweet fanny adams to do with music but <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, well most acts that i interview are uh, are, are british uh 
Uh, but even even those non-British, I still ask the same question. And the question is this. Hypothetically, you're around my, my place next year for the festival season on the East Coast in North America. We have a barbie. I stick the kettle on and make you and the band a cup of tea. Uh, and it's biscuit time. I, I come out with the biscuit tin, but it's a special biscuit tin. Yeah. It's, it's a magic biscuit tin. And you can choose any biscuit on God's green earth, past, present, or otherwise. What would you choose? Um, it's a hard one, actually. Um, either, either a classic, good old hob- hobnob. I have to qualify that because I, I, I interviewed uh, I interviewed a band. Or, um, is that, are we talking chalky hobnob there or are we talking uh, just plain Jane? Up, straight up oak hobnob but well i'll tell you, you you've got to go with your gut and that's no pun intended to do with biscuits and eating them but uh you did say you did say <laughs> you did say hobnob first so that's that's got to be some freudian thing kicking kicking in there saying that 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 that, that, that is top of mind <laughs> so what i've got i've got this really quite juvenile um infographic of all uh, past interviews and uh, aligned with the biscuits that they have chose because yeah we all know how important music is Second to music, we all know how important football is, and uh, yep. perhaps third, fourth, fifth, or sixth, depending. Biscuits are that uh, they do have their own their own uh, regimen of, of, of importance. So I'm glad that you could participate in in in, uh, in, in the biscuit to the biscuit challenge, and uh, hopefully. Um, uh, I, I hope that everything goes swimmingly well, that you're just chuffed to bits with the acetate. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, I, I can uh, be in touch with you in, uh, I don't know, let's uh, look, look forward to next spring, next summer. It's so about nine months' time. Just do a little catch-up and, uh, and see how things yeah, are going no, for you. Yeah, no, it'd be brilliant. I mean, once, once, once all of eight is out as well, if you want to do another little catch-up and talk about talk about the record in its entirety, that would be absolutely lovely to do. Yeah, I would love that. So in, in the meantime, all the best. Please thank Cathy for me, and I'll, uh, I'll shoot you with an do. email, and I'm going to get you a uh, physical address off Cathy, because I'm going to get you that Zappa thing. Oh, yeah, please do. Please do. No worries at all. Cheers, Jake, man, and, I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll be in touch very right, soon. Sarah. Take care, mate. Bye. Nice one. Thanks a lot, mate. Bye. And just feel the enthusiasm, can't you, emanating over the telephone and over the podcast uh, from Jake. Uh, what a pleasure it was talking to him, and what a great band White Room are. And I'll uh, I'll bolster that uh, statement by playing this for you.
song worthy of ending any programme with. That is White Room with a song off their debut EP, Fizzy Liquid, from 2015. A song called You'll See My Thanks to You for Listening. Thank you very, very much to you all for taking the time, giving me three hours of your very valuable time. Huge thanks to Jake and White Room and uh, to Cathy, their uh, their quarterbacking manager. Thank you very much to all of you. And uh, please don't forget, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com is the email by which to get in touch. Nearperfectpitch.com is the portal you can point anybody to if uh, you want them to dip their toe in and see if uh, they've got what it takes to be a regular listener. Thanks so much. Back next week. ta up.